It's time for the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org. And now the broadcast. Please turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Psalm two, Psalm chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together and against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sordest pleasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree, The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest ye be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. We've been working this week on this thought, Sinner, why fight against God? Sinner, why fight against God? Now, I've showed you the primary interpretation, and that is of David. David was God's anointed. You see that in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God had anointed David to be king over all Israel. In 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11, you'll see that David had been made king over Hebron, king over the basically Judah, of Israel that was just a small part of Israel but not all that God had wanted. Israel did not want him to be king yet and for seven and a half years he reigned only over Judah before God's purposes were finished and he becomes king over all Israel. And so it's written I believe from that perspective. Then we looked at the prophetic interpretation, how that Jesus' death on the cross and the way the Pharisees and, and political leaders and, and just the people treated him at that time on the cross, that was a direct fulfillment as we see in Acts chapter 4 of this chapter. But it was this chapter is only halfway fulfilled as we have said. Jesus has yet to inherit his rightful throne over the earth in the millennial reign, when he will physically rule a kingdom with a rod of iron. But we, what I'm really concerned with is the practical application. We have looked so far in verses 1 through 3 at the anger of the sinner towards God and towards God's anointed. We said, why is it that they are mad? And simply it was because of this, because of the rebellion of their father, Satan, because of the restraints on their lust and because of their resistance to authority of anyone but themselves in their life. 
Then we began to look at the assumption of the sinner. We didn't get very far in this. But the sinner truly thinks that somehow he can throw off the yoke of God in his life. They say, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. They think somehow or another they can get away from the authority of God and God's word in their life. I see this. I see that their commitment against God. In verse number 2, it says, The kings of the earth set themselves. In other words, they have placed themselves in, in such a place, they are against God and they aren't planning on changing. And let me tell you this, every sinner is in that place. Until God begins to touch their life, they have set their heart. They are happy in their sin to a point. They are after the pleasures of their sin. They don't want to change. They do not see their need of God. And so it takes a work of God. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to begin to wake up that sinner's heart to his own need of a God. And the work of God in his life. You see... They figure that if, you know, I commit myself to this way, then I'm free from the restraints of God. And so they commit themselves against God. They set themselves. They're not planning on changing. And for the sinner, as I've said, it takes that work of God to change their minds from that. I see their commitment against God. I see their counsel against God. It says, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. This group of people, especially directly fulfilling by the, fulfilled by the Pharisees and, and Pontius Pilate and, and the Gentiles there, the Romans, they were doing all they could to fight and resist a thrice holy God. And I'm afraid that the sinner begins to do the same thing in his own heart. Many times when the Holy Spirit begins to open up his heart, begins to convict him of his sin, that sinner will do all he can inside his heart, and, and, and Satan will sure help it, that's for sure, trying to resist the convicting, convincing work of the Holy Spirit. The sinner naturally is against God. The sinner naturally is the enemy of God. And without that work of God in the heart, he will never begin to understand the workings of God and the salvation of God. So that sinner, when God begins to reveal the sinner's sin to himself, that sinner resists it with all he's worth. But I see also in today that our world is set against God. Our country, the leaders, the majority of the leaders in our country and in the countries around the world, they want nothing to do with God. They are resisting with all they've got. God's got to work. God has to get their heart because... They are unified against God, and somehow or another, they think that their unity against God's 
It somehow makes them feel better. They think they are in the majority. I've heard it said, one plus God is the majority, no matter how many is on the other side. But the world thinks that because they are all together, because they're yoked up with Satan, they think that somehow they're going to get around God. They've assumed wrong. They've assumed that somehow or another they can get away from their conscience. They've assumed somehow or another they can shortcut the law of God. But it don't work that way. I want you to see this. Not only their commitment against God, not only their counsel against God and doing everything they can to fight against Him, but we see their confusion. Verse 1 says that they imagine a vain thing. If I can just put that into language that we're going to understand, it would be something like this. Sinner, you think you can throw off the judgment of God in your life? You think you can outrun the justice of God, of a thrice holy God? <laughs> Dream on! You can't. You will never get beyond the reach of the law of God God's justice may come slowly, but I promise you, it will come. It's been said, God's payday isn't always every Friday. Sometimes a sinner thinks he's getting away with his sin. Sometimes a sinner actually thinks he's getting away from the law of God because God doesn't execute judgment upon his evil works speedily. But I promise you that judgment is coming and that sinner cannot and will not, never will he be able to outrun the judgment and justice of God. But somehow or another they convince themselves into thinking that if I just do enough, I can get away from it. They're confused. You see, all these that they're purposing against God, all this that they're trying to shortcut God, all this that they're saying God just doesn't exist, it's purposeless, it's empty, it's vain, it will not be able to happen. They are fighting for a plan that will never be possible. They are fighting against God with all they are worth, with all they are worth, but it's futile. God's plan is already set. God's judgment has already been written down. The, the wages of sin is death. You are not going to change that. You cannot shortcut that. You cannot get around it. I don't care how smart you are, or how rich you are, or how high up politically you are. It does not matter who you are, or where you are. No man has ever, or will ever, outrun the justice of God. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You see, the sinner needs to understand this one thing. It's impossibility to win against God. God will have the last laugh. God is the just 
judge. And the sinner needs to understand the one thing, that he is guilty before a thrice holy God. And that's the very thing that the sinner is running from. That's the very reason why they are fighting against the restraints of God because they know that because of those restraints of God, they're guilty. And they want nothing to do with that guilt before God. They want nothing to do. They don't want to agree to that. They're going to fight it for all that they are worth because it's a very humbling thing to have to agree with God against yourself and against your sin. And as we already said, that, that word rage, it speaks of the pride and resistiveness of their own heart. The sinner is naturally proud and resistive against God. He does not want to admit that he is filthy, that his righteousnesses, that's the good things he thinks he's doing, are filthy rags in God's sight. So we see... The assumption of the sinner. Somehow or another, he thinks that he can bypass the judgment of God. But it'll never happen. He assumes, and you can assume all you want. You can lie to yourself as much as you want. That you're a good person. That you're going to get your way into heaven by what you've done. But the truth of the matter is, you've got the law of God to face. And if you've ever broken one commandment, and you have, you've broken God's law and must suffer the punishment for it. The sinner needs to understand, needs to admit that he has sinned before God. He needs to understand his crimes before a thrice holy God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, the very thing they're fighting against. Why is it that they're fighting against it? Because they don't want to admit it. But here's the thing, it's vain, it's empty, it's purposeless, because as much as they fight it, and as long as they fight it, it does not change the fact that they are still guilty. Sinner, if you're listening today, you need to admit before God that you're a sinner. You need to understand that God will judge your sin. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email broadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Wallen, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org.